So we were just, this is going to be really conversation based. We've got a few things that we do want to share that we've learned over the last few years that we hope find, you find helpful. Um, just give you a quick little backstory. Jill and I have been married for a couple decades now and uh, worked together in ministry and at, on staff at a couple churches over the years as youth pastor, associate pastor. Uh, when we were associate pastor at a church in the East Twin Cities, um, when you're an associate pastor, you're pretty much everything. Right, so you oversee youth ministry, and then it's can you put together announcement videos? Sure. Can you run this? You know, you see, so you got a lot, of, a lot on your plate. Anyone relate like to that? Like, you might have one title as youth pastor, but you're like 20 other things, right? Um, and so that was us, and we loved it. And and out of that, we started creating videos for announcements, and then you know when we had baptisms, we started creating testimony videos, and. The cool thing is that at the local church, they had all the equipment, so we didn't have to spend anything. And so we were able to like learn on the fly how to, how to create videos. And we had always like been interested in photography and videography, but being at that church was great because they had the gear, they had, they're paying us, <laughs> and we were able to just create and tell stories. And out of that, um, it just became this, this passion of ours that we began to really, really enjoy to work on together. And um, so out of that, we started a just kind of a, what I've been calling a side hustle, which is, we, is our video, videography business, which is 30 Story. And um, so we've been doing that over the last number of, of years, as well as I've been serving as the communications director at the Assemblies of God District Office um, since 2013. So this is 10 years, just wrapping that up here. And we're going to be actually jumping into the video side of things um, full time, which is kind of fun. Um, part of, as part of that, part of our heart all along, I remember one time when uh, we had a, a missionary, missionary that came to uh, our church and they had a presentation and they were like the bomb when it comes to missionary. Like what they were doing overseas. I thought you meant they bombed. No. <laughs> well, what they were doing overseas was amazing, but they had a five minute window at their church and their presentation was a really, really bad PowerPoint. It did bomb. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember thinking in that moment, is there a way for us to use the gifts that we have to come alongside ministries, to come alongside missions? And those who might not have the resources or capacity to put together some sort of compelling visual, can we come alongside them and create um, something that will help champion what they're doing and who they are and what God has called them to do? Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, we... Um... I, th I think we like to tell the stories that people don't notice or don't see. Um, and just because they're not obvious doesn't mean they're not compelling and great stories to share. And that was such a great example for us was knowing this guy was doing such great work overseas, but he's not a, he wasn't a speaker. That wasn't his gifting. It wasn't the work he was doing. But him raising money depended on him having a good presentation. Um, and for us, that really inspired us to... Uh, like we do for-profit work, but we offer a lot of highly discounted non-profit work because that's where our heart is. Um, and so, do you want to go into how we started the business? No, go ahead. Okay, so we um, actually began our business non-traditionally. I feel like we stepped into everything a little bit non-traditionally, so don't feel bad if you didn't go to school for this because we didn't either. We took a lot of like, I say we, we took a lot of online classes, but it was mostly Matt, and then he would show me what to do. Um, and I would try hard to remember. But um, yeah, this isn't what we went to school for. I went to school for nursing. Matt was a pastor. So we had completely different careers lined up. And um, 
in nursing, the part I loved most, honestly, was the stories. Patients would come in and talk about things, or we, we, I worked with a lot of vets, and they would tell me like war stories and stuff. And it really should have been a good hint back then, like maybe God was nudging me towards, this is what you love about it. You love the people and you love the stories. Um, but yeah, we had our kids and I decided to stay home with them and I did photography for weddings and then Matt was going more into video and that sort of terrified me because I already knew my one thing really well and it was hard to jump into something that felt brand new. Um, but yeah, we just started filming things and we, uh, when we decided, you know, we felt like God was urging us to do this and we, we took our boys to the uh, Fauché Tower in Minneapolis and got off at the... 30th story, which is where our company name 30 story came from. Um, and we just filmed them and filmed a story for them we wanted them to see in the future. And that was sort of our first step of like, we're going to do this whether anyone wants us to or not, or anyone, no one was begging us to make videos. <laughs> no one was like, please guys, you need to do this with your lives. N not anybody. We just sort of, sort of did it. That's in a nutshell. We, we don't want to, we're not going to talk too much about tech. Um, this is not going to be about our gear. Um, we can answer any questions at the very end if you want to reach us afterwards. But this is more about the storytelling aspect of it, which I think can apply outside of video, which is nice. And the cool thing that we've discovered in the last two years is you don't need fancy cameras to tell a good story, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times, like, you have it, like, the tool in your pocket. And there's even free apps to help you edit and create something all from within your phone. So we're not going to be talking necessarily about the tools. We want to focus a little bit on the storytelling. Because one of the things that when we, when we were on staff at the local church, um, you know, we'd have people that would sign up for baptism. And we were trying to expedite things. You know, lots of times it's easier to, to share a video of someone sharing their testimony than it is giving them a mic, you know. Because a lot of times it's, it's a, a way to make it a little more concise and to move things along and, and to keep things from rambling on. So we started uh, creating videos from these testimonies, and we would get all kinds of different stories, right? So you get all people from all kinds of different backgrounds, um, all kinds of different angles. Some people are introverted. Some people are extroverted. They're, you know, for a two-minute video, they're talking for like two hours. You know, like they just go on and on. And so you're getting this wide range in a church, and we're trying to, to tell these stories. And so we're just going to share a few tips that we have learned over the years um, that uh, hopefully can help you then be able to take any person's story and to make a compelling visual uh video out of it, something that is going to connect with people. Because at the end of the day, what we're looking for, when we talk about communication, um, the idea is for human connection or divine connection. You know, a lot of times we talk, when you think of communication, you think of a video or you think of social media or you think of a website or graphic design. Um, but those are not the goal, right? The goal is human or divine connection. Where are you leading someone to? And so we're just going to share a few nuggets, and Erin can actually jump in if she thinks of anything as well. Erin works with us at 30 Story. <laughs> um, she's helped us create some of these, uh, these videos. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show, I'm going to start just a couple videos, and I'm going to ask if you guys pick up on anything um, in these, in these uh, two or three videos that I show. Well, Jill has something to say. No, I was going to hold the mic. Oh, okay. I was going to hold the mic.
which one? Sorry. Can I ask you about your hand? Which one? There's a reason I'm stopping this guy. I want you guys just to pick up on something. Let's try another one here. This is one we did a few years ago um, at church in Foley. When, when we first arrived here in Foley, one of the things that happened in both our lives was there was this about a year-long struggle of leaving everything, everyone that you know, and, and all of that. And, and for the first year, uh, my struggle was kind of thinking, uh, this is the place that God is preparing me for something bigger. And it, uh, it, 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 it really was a pride issue in my life. Like, man, I've got something more than this little place where I kind of, even sometimes tongue-in-cheek, would say, uh, where's Foley when people would ask me? I'd say, well, it's kind of in the armpit in Minnesota. Is this leaving you wanting to watch more? It looks uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and flat because it, uh, the camera is trying to focus and it's focusing on something else. That's good. You're picking up on stuff. Oh, we did this one, sorry. Got another one coming out. Uh, where's the other one? You know, the difference between a human being and a woman, um, those lines get fogged after a while. So beside, aside from technique, when we're talking storytelling, again, we're not going to get into technique and uh, gear. What, is, what have you guys noticed in all those stories? Anybody? There's always a frame that takes a little, long, a little longer than it should. Yes, that's one key element. Okay, so we've got one thing. What else from the beginning? So what he said is there's always, say it again. There's always one frame that seems to be uh, longer than it should. Yep. What else? Anyone else pick up on anything there? How long did the person talk? Very short, right? So here's where we're gonna. Here's the key. This is like this is how I've been approaching storytelling for the last X amount of years. I don't. I wish I had a name for it, but basically what it is is you're taking any type of story, and when you sit down with someone, when you sit down with someone. And you're, and you're interviewing them, and we'll get into the interview process as well, but I wanted to start with this because this is the key takeaway um, of this entire thing, uh, of this entire workshop. Um, when, you, when you sit down and you do the interview and then you're going into post, whether it's on your phone or you're sitting down at a computer, you've got, let's say, 45 minutes you sat down with them, and you know that you have to condense it down to two or three minutes, right, typically. You know, five minutes in a church would be on the, on the long, long end of a video. So typically we're trying to get something down to two to three minutes on, on a given video. How do you take something that's 45 minutes and goes all over the place, and maybe you even didn't even do prep work with that, with that individual ahead of time, like a baptism testimony, you just had them come in and share your story. 
how do you take something like that and make it compelling, make it engaging, and make it something um, that people connect with? And here's this, the simple thing that you do, is that you lay out that all of that, and sometimes you lay out the entire interview, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll even transcript it, so I'm listening to it, and there's, there's services that you can actually pay for online. Um, there's actually a free, a free tool right inside of Premiere Pro. There's different things that are really cheap to have some, some sort of transcription service. Sometimes I even just do it, I'll write it down in a notebook, because I like sometimes just writing it because it makes it more fresh if I'm writing what I'm hearing. And I will go through the entire 45-minute interview and lay it all out and just put down keywords. And what I'm listening for is two things in that entire 45-minute uh, interview, or however long it is. I'm listening for, number one, a hook. What is something within that story that is unique and intriguing, something that if I took it out and just threw it out there, is going to make me want more? And it, it, what's interesting is, like, how many of you guys watch videos on YouTube? They do that all the time now on YouTube. You see that all the time. Sometimes it's just kind of uh, just outrageous. They're trying to you know, say the first thing that they can think of you know, that would get your, pique your attention, but it's the same kind of concept. You want to find the hook within that story that wants, wants the viewer to think about or to be, to be interested in what is going to happen next. What are they talking about? Uh, and the second thing that you're looking for is simply um, what is the ending? What is the closing statement? And in, in a nutshell, what are you hoping to communicate at the end of the video? What is the last thing you want people to hear? And the cool thing about when you're sitting down with, with people, let's say, uh, let's say a testimony at church, um, and we'll talk about framing questions so you can get to that spot as well. Um, but most of the time, those, those answers are going to be in the interview. It's going to come out. When someone gets comfortable with you and you begin to ask questions and you're sitting down with them, you're going to get um, a lot of people that are just going to, those, those hooks and those things are going to just come out. And so what I do here is when I'm creating the story, I look for the hook first of all, and then what is the last thing I want people to remember? And most of the time, they are always connected. One always leads to the other. So what I'll do in the framework is I will take that hook that's an element of the story that seems out of place, but as you saw, like everyone that you were watching, you're like, okay, where is this going, right? Because it was out of place. So it grabs your attention. So I put it in at the beginning. And as you pointed out, Vin Vincent, Vincent? Victor. Victor, okay, Victor. Victor nailed it. We create space, breathing space, place for that, for it to just settle, for it to, to just, that whatever that they said, it just sits in and makes you think. So the first one that I showed you was an interview with a kid named Josh who um, has grown up in shelters. He lives in St. Paul and he's been in shelters and they're part of this uh, nonprofit that has helped them um, find stability in housing. And the first question that, that they asked was, um, what was it again? Is it a... Can you tell me about your time in the shelters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us about your time in the shelters was what we were interviewing him with. And his answer was, which one? And we just let that settle. Because I mean, when, you, when that, thinking about how, like this is a 16 year old kid, and we're thinking, oh, how, tell us about your shelter. And he's like, which one? Cause, and, he's, and letting that sit in, realizing, oh my word, this kid has grown up in multiple shelters. You know what I mean? And thinking people who are watching, the, the people that they're showing this to are people who have a home, where they're looking to get donations, you know? And just letting that sit. 
and letting it rest and creating breathing space and hearing space for it to really uh, settle in in someone's brain. Mm. You want to tag on to that? Um, sure. Um, in the Loon one, I can't remember at what point he says that line, but he basically, we begin their video. It's a documentary about this couple on White Bear Lake who they put up um, loon nests because uh, they were having, like the loon population was suffering from uh, all kinds of predators and stuff. Um, and then it's a really busy lake, so skiers and people coming by in their boats. Um, the nests were accidentally being destroyed, so they've been kind of working to like help the loon population um, not disappear there. Um, but instead of following the story when we put this documentary together, instead of following it in chronological order of what happened, we began with his line of kind of an epiphany he had much later in the story was um, along the lines of like, uh, when you look at it, loons and people aren't that different. That's kind of the conclusion he came to because, you know, watching the family and how they were raising their loon, baby loons and all this stuff. Um, but instead of beginning with those other things, we began with his realization of when you think about it, they're not that different. And that's kind of how we flowed into that story. And the cool thing is that people can connect the dots. So what we do is when we have that hook at the beginning, create a little room, then we actually enter into the story. And they've already, we've already established some sort of interest in the, that we know a little bit about where it might be going, but not quite enough to know how it's going to end, right? Yeah, go ahead. My name is Chris. I actually do this for TV News in Duluth. And so you're doing it kind of the right way, but kind of backwards in some ways. Yeah. But you, know, you, you ask them a question, and they've talked for six minutes. And then after they've done that, usually it takes about that long for them to be used to being in front of a bright light yep. and a camera. Mm -hmm. And then you ask them the question again. OK, now that you've kind of thought about this, kind of hashed it around on your mind. You know, my editors back at the station are only going to use about 11 seconds of what you just said. So how about we just take, I'm going to ask you the question again, try and get this all in like two sentences or three sentences, and it's amazing how they can edit this down themselves, and it's in their own words, mm -hmm. and it's like, this is really the passion of what the question is and the answer to it. And you do this for a couple, couple times, and it's just amazing you got your storyline, you got your main points, you got these three main points, and you know, your work is done. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's very interesting what you can do through questioning and helping coach. Yeah, and I would say too, like, like you were saying, once someone's at ease and they're more comfortable with you, they are going to answer the questions differently. So we, that's one of our priorities when we interview someone is to set up that comfort level because they're already like, oh, I'm on camera, um, and even for us, like we're up in front of people and we're mic'd and we're all these things that are kind of going on in their heads. Um, when you are personable and you make it, it's not just shooting questions at somebody. Um, you, you want them to feel that their story matters. And like, like you're saying, they, yeah, they'll come back to it. A lot of times without us prompting, if they're just flowing through their story, they'll come back because they'll remember a detail or, you know, it starts to become richer. Yeah, and a lot of times when we're sitting down with someone, you know, when we're sitting in an interview, we like to feel like we're building a relationship and we're not just trying to get them to say what we want them to say. Yeah. So, especially when it comes in the church world, when it's someone's testimony, um, we do take elements of that for sure, you know, and we're listening and trying to pay attention to what they're saying 
and maybe helping them say it in a more concise way. So there's definitely some coaching that goes on, but we definitely want to make it authentic as mm -hmm. possible. Um, so anyways, the point, yeah, so you get the hook and the ending, and then what we do is create that space in between, get into the story, and then what we do from there is we make sure that we, we're connecting the dots and getting from point A to point B. And when you have the ending in mind, when you know exactly what you're trying to achieve, it, you can cut out a lot of the story that it might be unnecessary. And so at that point, you just want to make sure that you're getting from A to B and you're connecting uh, and making sure that you're getting to that end result that you're hoping for. Yeah, I agree. We were actually just talking about this a little bit because um, we had kind of a challenging edit Aaron and I were talking about. And just bringing that up again is like, what is the point you're trying to make? What's anything else when you're editing can... It's hard because people say such cool things along the way that you're like, oh, I want that in there, but does it match the thing you're trying to say? Um, and when we edit, we're never, I, I don't think I have to make this clear, but I should make it clear. We're never manipulating the story. We're always being true to the story, but you have to kind of sometimes shave off the little rabbit trails that they even will say, but that distracts from the story they're, they're telling. Um, but that's a big key. So I, it, it's kind of like you start with this seed and all of a sudden all these roots kind of shoot out and you can get distracted following them, but you have to just keep going up to the thing that's growing, like to the tree or to whatever. Sorry, I use pictures in my mind a lot when I <laughs> describe things. Yeah, go ahead. Is that, is that like you're creating a blog? No, not a blog? Um, no, I mean, the outlet for where you want to show a video can be anything. You know, for churches, most of the time, it's going to be shown in a service on a weekend. Um, and, or, or, or the videos that we're creating will sometimes go out on social media. Okay. Because I thought, you know, you, you're presenting like a captcha. You know, like, yeah. you want to catch the attention. But mm -hmm. that's the blog. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's similar to, um, sorry, it's similar to storybook writing or anything they the author wants to catch your attention in the first few lines or in the first paragraph they they want that thing that's like you know you're holding something and it explode right away where they're like why did that happen and then you go into the story it's very similar to writing because um, it's storytelling and there is a reason behind a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll be sitting down and um having an interview with someone, you know, so when we, sorry, I'll start over. When we were traveling all across the state and we're telling local church stories, a lot of times when we're trying to figure out where do we go, what story do we tell, we are, a pastors, our pastors might come to us and say, well, so-and-so is doing something down in Casson. I'll use Casson as an example. Oh, yeah. Years ago, we went to, to um, what's the name of the church? Uh, Community Celebration, Community Celebration church. church. And at the time, there was a building project. I think this was about 2017, something like that. And so as coming from the district office, we were going, and this, what the story was, was the building project mm -hmm. and talking about the growth in the church. The growth, the, 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 there is this uh, church growth trajectory where it was just increasing and increasing. Of course, God was doing something special um, in that church. And so we went down there with the mindset that this story was going to be about the building. And we sat down with Pastor Steve, and again, what Jill was saying, we want to just, we just starting our conversation and just beginning to get, you know, to, to talk about life and, and getting just uh, like you're sitting across each other at a coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. And so we begin to talk more and more. 
And as I begin to start getting into the building project, and as he's sharing more and more, and he's been very open about this over the years, he has a backstory in his, uh, with, with struggling with some mental health and depression um, that goes back years and years. And it's, uh, it's tied to his approach within the church, which has led to that growth, that vulnerability that he has shown um, and through his leadership is part of the reason why so many people were drawn to the church and, connect and, and created a connection. But that was not what we had thought that the story was. But going in and being able to sit down and not come in it with necessarily with an agenda, but just in conversation, it came up. And it, that's one of the things when you're sitting down with an interview, if you can pay attention and look for those things. Again, I'm looking for a hook. Even when I'm asking questions, I'm thinking, where is this story going? What is interesting? We can talk about a building, but what's more interesting is a lead pastor who's being completely open about mental health before it was even popular. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now it's like kind of mainstream and we're all talking about it. But here's someone who was bringing it up and had been, you know, been talking about it for years and being vulnerable about his own struggles. And we were able to take that and then share that story with our pastors. And so that's one of the things is like using the, the method that we have, we're able then to look for something that is going to catch that's going to be interesting and unique. And the thing about that story, too, is he thought it was completely unimportant. He sort of mentioned it and brushed it aside, like, well, that's not the point. And he, you know, went back to that. And in both of our minds, I could see, like, his eyes lit up and my mind's lighting up. I'm like, this is interesting. Like, this isn't just a thing you blow off. This is talking about um, mental health, especially in ministry and especially from the, the pulpit, like a senior pastor we didn't hear that story. He didn't realize how special his story was. Um, and sometimes it just takes a good listener to catch those things where you're like, um, where you know this is something. Because when you live it, I mean, I'm sure all of you, we would have a conversation with you and be like, that's amazing, where you would be like, that's just my life. That's a thing that happened. Um, yeah, so being mindful of that. You do always want to follow a story to its point. But there are certain things that do really enrich it and don't ignore them just because you are kind of in a rush to get to, well, I'm here to interview you for this one, one thing. And we have the luxury of doing that. We're like in the news, you can't sidetrack at all. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions up to this point? Oh, okay, so for a local church, it just depends on how they want to use it. And so most of the time in your local churches, you're using that on a Sunday morning and you're showing it on the big screens. And it kind of depends on what you're trying to achieve. A lot of times, like that's going to be your best point of connection because you've got people that are together and experiencing it um, all together. So like, for example, uh, yesterday we had an ordination services where pastors were getting licensed and ordained. Uh, a few years ago, we talked about the idea of um, why don't we honor those who have been licensed in the Minnesota district as pastors and create a video that honors those who have passed away the year before. And why don't we show it mm -hmm. when everyone's gathered together, when there's a thousand, when there's a thousand people in the audience, including people who are just getting licensed, right? So how powerful is that that we're able to show that story um, in a large gathering that can connect with the people who are making the same exact decision that others committed their lives to. And so a lot of times it's going to come on a Sunday morning. 
And of course, there's other places, there's other outlets. I mean, what are some other places that you guys show videos or what are outside of the Sunday mornings? Social media, yeah, it's huge. And it's a big one too, like, I mean, YouTube, Facebook, you know? Did you have more? No. Oh, okay. No. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, I see where you're going. Um, typically, this isn't entirely about the presentation software. There's definitely different ones that you can use. What are some of the presentation softwares that you guys use within the local church? ProPresenter, anybody? Yeah, typically ProPresenter is my go-to. It's really buggy still, which is kind of weird. <laughs> um, we used to use MediaShell and didn't have as many problems. Yeah. Went to ProPresenter, and we're still learning. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, what's that? Easy Worship, yeah. There you go. And again, it goes back to this, like, if I was to share like a, a couple things would be takeaways that are key takeaways. Again, is the whole idea of storytelling. If you're if you're new to this and you're looking for a way to like create something out of anything and any person that you're sitting sitting down with, that's kind of the formula that we found to work that within the local church um, and a lot of nonprofits. Um, the second thing would be that we've heard this echoed in the previous two breakouts leading up to this one is the idea that that excellence is not measured by comparison. Um, is it's measured by stewardship. So it's what you do with the tools that you have. And we always say like, we've watched videos and we watch our own and we can pick them apart and see how we've, like how poorly we shot it or how poorly we edited it. And it, like all of those things. And we, we recognize that and recognize that we're always gonna get better and that's the goal. Because um, if I watch some of the stuff that's like top notch, you know, whatever Steven Spielberg is producing, if I watch that and think that I can achieve that in my lifetime, probably not. And if I looked at that in comparison-wise, I'd probably just want to quit, <laughs> right? If I'm never going to achieve that, why would I want to go for that? But ultimately, I always look at it like, I'm okay with not being the best as long as I'm always getting better, right? And so that's the same thing that applies, whether you're using Easy Worship or ProPresenter, what are the tools that you have in front of you? If you're looking to tell testimonies within the local church, if you have an iPhone, I mean, you've got all you need. Just find a good room that doesn't have echo. You know what I mean? <laughs> like carpeted room or something. You know, just, uh, but like you can, you can use anything. Yeah. Uh, do you, um, is there an app that you recommend that could do some kind of smaller version of this that you maybe prefer? Oh, that's a good question. Does anybody else use an app? Uh, the only one that I've used, I think, is, is it Rush? Premier Rush? Yeah. That, that's the only one that I've used on the mobile, which has worked. Elliot has used that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it? I think it is free. I think there is a free version of it. Yeah. yeah. In the back. Oh. Uh, how do you incorporate storytelling within church announcements? Because it's kind of informative. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that's a really good question because. Um, is that like when we did the Easter egg announcement? Yeah, kind of. I was going to go okay. there. First, I would ask the question, do you need church, do you need video announcements? You know, and that's, a, I think, a fair question. Like, if you're going, and the reason I'm asking it, like, I'm not, because we did it for years and yeah. had a blast doing it. And it actually became, we'll talk about it, it became one of the highlights of our Sunday services. <laughs> um, so there is that aspect of it. If it's truly engaging and you're, you're connecting, then you roll with it, right? If it's making that human connection, that's communication. Mm -hmm. If it's making that human connection, it's worth it. Um, but if you're just doing it because you think you're supposed to do it, 
then it might not be worth it. Because if you have most people in, inside of a local church have limited time or limited volunteers to invest in putting together videos, and you might be better served in telling testimonies or other stories with that time rather than the, the church announcements. So that's kind of where I started. But to really answer your question, um, get creative with it. Um, we used to do, well, I'll start with uh, Watermark Church, I know, has a, um, Shea McQuaid Boo. They get really, they, they, they have fun with it. And they're a good reference point for if you're looking to connect with someone that's doing it in a unique way. Um, they're out in uh, Watermark and Stillwater. Now, when we were on staff in Valley Creek and Woodbury, we took our, we kind of went our own direction. You want to talk about it just a little oh, bit, Robert? Okay. Sure. Um, I was just going to say, too, since you used them as a reference, I, you have to keep in mind the personality of your church. So what they're doing works really well for the culture and personality yeah. of their church. But other people watching it might be like, huh, okay, that's what they're doing. Um, so just, yeah, keep the context in mind. But um, what we started doing was just making short films, very, very short films. But we announced um, like a big Easter egg helicopter, some kind of drop thing. Um, so we did a very, very short video of our oldest when he was a baby. Um, like we were opening cupboards in our house and eggs, Easter eggs were falling out, like the plastic eggs and just showing them spilling on the camera. And all of it took, I think it was like a 15 second. Yeah. It was super short. Um, but then we picked him up from his crib at the end of it and there were like Easter eggs underneath him. Just, and that was how we told, announced, hey, we're having this event. And so it wasn't like, the information was there, but we made it entertaining to watch. Because otherwise, we, I mean, we've been places too where it's like you watch the video announcements and it's just as dry as watching someone stand up and make the announcements. Yeah, exactly. So you want to avoid that. Yeah, we would even, I remember like one time we were having a baptismal and it was right around <laughs> election season. And so I, I was like, I created a, a negative campaign ad. <laughs> And I, like I was, I was campaigning for myself over our worship pastor because he wanted colder water and I wanted warmer water. And so I was saying, I'm going to get warmer water and more of it. Sign up for baptism today. But just trying to think like outside the box, we did all kinds of dumb things. Mm -hmm. the, the announcements, we, and we, we called it the top three because we focused on only three announcements every week. And it was 90 seconds or, left, or less, sorry. We, we, we got creative with one of them. So we took whatever one we called a featured Mm -hmm. announcement and we're like okay what zany thing can we do that's almost YouTube-ish in a way and just create some sort of story or whatever to make it fun I don't know if that helps okay yeah people are always asking like what's the best camera what should I use I always tell them it's the one you've got yes yeah and I've been saying for years this is gonna be the year that somebody's gonna win the Pulitzer with an iPhone. Because yep. I've been saying this ever since uh, the miracle on the Hudson. We've all seen that photo. That was an iPhone. Yep. You know, there's been two Pulitzers going with brownie cameras. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's not so much the camera, it's just what you do with it. 100%. Yes, that's so good because I, I took a photography class um, in college because I needed like, even though I was in nursing school, I needed like an extra credit for something. Um, and so that's what, that's what we learned is some of the most famous photographs, it's not about the quality, it's about the content. And if you're there with whatever camera you have and you capture a special moment, that's what's important. It's not that it was like 
on a Canon or a what's the Nikon? Nikon or Sony. <laughs> Sorry, that's the only one I don't use is the Nikon. Nothing against it. I just don't have one. So the other thing I was going to mention when you're, when you're doing interviews, um, again, going back to the, the formula at the beginning, um, sometimes you do need to coach what is that um, mm -hmm. final thing, the fi last thing you want people to, to hear, the last thing that you want people to understand. And most of the time when I'm creating a video, it's a call to action. You guys heard that, the CTA, whatever. All the time we're trying to think, okay, not just are we showing, we don't want to just inspire a video, but inspire people through a video, but can we inspire them to take action on something? So even if it's something like baptism, the old adage, how many of you guys went on a mission trip when you were a teenager and you had to learn how to do a testimony and the whole idea of a testimony was what? Call to action. If God yeah. can do this in me, he, can do, it he in can do it in you too. And it's that simple premise that you can take into any story or into any interview. And so I usually end every, if I'm sitting with a pastor, uh, like when I was sitting with Pastor Steve, I would ask, you know, okay, we've heard your story. Thank you for being open. Now let me ask you this. Knowing that other pastors are going to be watching this and knowing that some of them are probably struggling with some of the same issues that you have struggled with, what would you specifically say to them? And out of that, wow, you know what I mean? Like, it, they'll pause and they'll think, and that's when you get kind of the gold mine, right? Yeah. I was going to say, we, um, we don't make people say, so when he's saying that we're trying to get that ending thing or the whatever, it's through the questioning. It's not saying, can you say this for us? Um, but it's how you ask questions or how you present things. But with that, I think in every single interview, that's one of our last questions is, what would you say to other people or how would you want to encourage other people? I think my, sometimes my best question is a question asked by the person I'm interviewing. It's like, what question have I forgot to ask? Mm, yeah, that's that great. A lot of times my best question. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll do that sometimes too. We're like, is there anything we haven't covered? What's, yeah. what did we not, what did we miss? And because the whole time they might be sitting there with something stewing, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's so good. And sometimes what we'll do um, is that we'll, we'll revisit something. So even if we feel like, um, you know, maybe the questions are done or whatever, we'll be like, let's go back to that one question. Can you expand on that? Can you just sit on that for a little bit and tell us more? Tell me more. Um, but I think you, 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 not everyone has a ton of time to sit down in every interview, but I do think that if, you're, if you give yourself enough time, you'll be able to generate um, more of the store and hear, get them to be more open and authentic. Any other questions? I was just going to add to that and then you can move on to whatever thing you want to move okay. on to. Um, yeah, I, I know that we don't all have like five hours to sit down with someone for an interview <laughs> and you don't want to um, because you don't want to edit through five hours of content to try to get your like 40 seconds. Um, but we like to leave space. Um, so when we're in an interview, if we know, we'll ask them questions maybe for, I don't know, however long we need with that one, um, whatever content we're trying to get. But, but like you were saying, we'll ask them something or you ask them, what have I missed? And be patient. Because sometimes they feel like, I mean, I don't know if you can all just snap off things off the top of your head. Maybe you're really good at it. But remembering to be patient as they're trying to think and let them know, like we've already set up the environment where they know um, they can be comfortable with taking their time uh, because 
sometimes it just, they have to gather their thoughts or whatever. And we've been really greatly rewarded with things people have said after having like a, you know, a minute to collect themselves. So everything that we've been sharing is what we have found to be true in church, most church scenarios. Usually you're given an, um, direction by your pastor say hey we really want this person here's a little bit of their story can you sit down with them um, so in most scenarios in a local church you might not have the luxury of doing a pre-interview which is some is super helpful as well a connection before you know but a lot of times in the church world it's like hey i know it's thursday <laughs> but i've got this great sermon illustration with this guy that's living you know what i mean it's just the reality. So with that, and that was kind of the context that we had in mind, knowing that we might not be able to sit down and storyboard where this mm -hmm. might go or to do a pre-interview. And we've done that before in, in working with different clients, you know, where they have already have a very clear idea of where they want to go. The person has already expressed that idea. We've done a pre-interview with them. So when they come into the interview, we all are kind of on the same page and are already going. But we don't all have that luxury within the local church, do we? Now, I want to show one other, one other video um, because there's, there are times where you know you're going into something with a very um, clear directive, a clear goal that you're trying to achieve. Um, Brent Silkey reached out to me last year and they were launching uh, the, their Chi Alpha campus uh, gathering at uh, Saint, University of St. Thomas. And he wanted to create a video at the beginning of the fall that let people, let students know that, hey, we're reopened, we're back, we're gathering, you know, after COVID and everything, the school has opened things up. And it was, it was one of those things where it, we didn't have much time. It was a quick turnaround. Um, we were gone for a long time. So like the window was like super short. It was maybe like a week and we didn't have much like production, pre-production time or time to really think or put into invest in, in it. But we knew what the, what, what was the goal? We knew the goal was to let students know that Kyle is meeting and that, that other students could use it as an invitation. So I want to just show you that one. We'll kind of wrap up with this.
So you see the framework that we used, right? Found the hook, let it sit, and then, interest, and then found the what, was the, what was the one thing that we wanted people to take away? It's family, your family. And you know, Brent shared that, that, first, that first night. And so as, as I went through what, the footage that I shot, I'm like, there it is. That's, that's the last thing we want people to know. We want them to know that Kyle fit his family. An interesting thing is that was those that was all shot in about two hours, every part of it. Yeah. The one thing I'm missing from that is I heard that voice at the end. I know who Brent Silkey is. I know what he sounds like, but I never connected that that voice was that person. Sure, sure, sure. That's the thing that I really miss in that. Yeah, that's great. It's a good observation. The interesting thing about that is. Um, the approach that we took to get that video, again, the reason pointing out that it was done in two hours with no pre-production work, is obviously, did we sit down with 40, like for 45 minutes with each one of them? No. And the funny thing is that none of them knew they were going on camera that day. Not one. It was just Brent being like, okay, dude, can you go with this guy that you don't know? <laughs> just found a good spot. Hold on one second. Um, and just found a good spot and we went out there. And the way that we framed it is that we knew, we knew what the goal was. We knew that it was an invite. We knew that we wanted to connect. So we asked everyone the same three questions. What is Chi Alpha? What does it mean to you? And why should someone come and be a part of it? And we got all of that out of just those three questions to everybody. So there is, there's different ways of going about it. Like when you know what you're trying to achieve, you can actually just narrow it down to very specific questions. One of the most, the strongest questions we all have is, uh, that we use all the time is what does it mean to you? You know what I mean? Like it gets people to think like, oh yeah, what does it mean to be? Why do I do this? Or you know, one of the Supreme Court justices used to say, not what do you do? What do you love about what you do? Mm -hmm. When you get the people to think on a deeper level, you're gonna get um, really engaging uh, answers to the questions. You had a question? Yeah. yeah. One thing I noticed by the video, most of it is handheld. Yeah. And so here's the interesting thing too, is like, again, working with the tools that you have and working in the environment that you have. Um, so we found this on a lot of missions trips. Sometimes we're not able to like go to different countries and walk in with like four cases of gear. Yeah. You know what I mean? We have everything we need in the backpack. And so we just narrow it down to what we need. Again, working with the tools that you have and understanding the environment of where you're at. Mm -hmm. I think you could have cut out half the video and about half the interviews and just made it shorter with more impact. Well, you know, part of, the, part of what we do, and I appreciate that feedback, part of what we do is many times when we're working with a client, we'll create a full version, which is for the website, and a shorter mm -hmm. version, which they can share online, which is what we did for Brent. Okay. Yeah, question. That's really good. <laughs> the goal cannot be perfection. Yeah. You'll never get anything done. <laughs> um, Jill, why don't you answer that one? <laughs> I am the least organized person in this organization, so that's interesting. Um, about how we stay organized? Yeah. We hired Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> No, literally, she's our project manager. Seriously, she is. <laughs> um, we did do this on our own for a while, and it was a strain for me because it goes against my personality type. Not to be organized, but just after a while, I'm like, I can't answer another email. Um, but 
Yeah, we. It depends on the project. So for for some of them, we've done. I've spent time storyboarding, and then we hand it back to the client, and they say, "I like this. I don't like this." And as far as the perfection part, or like being content with what you've produced, it's nearly impossible because either you have a client that you're doing the thing for, and they have opinions on what you should do or redo or not do. Um, where you have limited time, where you're like, I would have loved to have done this, or I wish I could have done this. But as long as you're communicating the main takeaway, I think for us that's when we're content, when we're like, we got across the message they wanted us to communicate. Um, that we have to settle with our contentment, because otherwise we, I mean, we look at our stuff all the time and we're like, oh my word, I wish I would have done this thing, or like, when I'm filming, I'm trying to think, and this is one of the things I do kind of organizing in my own mind, is when I film something, I imagine myself editing it later, and what will I get mad at in editing that I didn't do while I was filming? Because I'll edit stuff and I'll be like, why didn't I continue that shot? How did I not see that could have been? So when I film now, I try to plan for editing, um, even if it's B-roll. Um, yeah, I just kind of try to, plan that all the way through um, or we just play with things what would be cool or cool transitions or things like that uh, we think those through ahead of time uh, if we can see the site we're going to ahead of time it's great but a lot of times just the way we work and the things we get hired for we don't like we'll show up in in like Tanzania and they drive you four hours to some place and then they're like okay shoot stuff and so, I mean, nothing, you know, you don't have anything prepared and you're just, but that's, I think for us, it always comes back to story. If you keep your story in mind the whole time you're filming, your B-roll will coincide with it. Um, and then, yeah, do you have anything to add to that? He's way more organized than I am, so. Yeah, I mean, we can talk, we can talk another time, but yeah, we do have a process that we work through on every project. Yeah. <laughs> B-roll, uh, you know, when you see in movies, I think they have A cams and B cams mm -hmm. typically, and A cam is kind of your main camera. So when we're talking, like, if we're doing like a little project like this, we typically will come in as, with two cameras. Your A camera is capturing a lot of the interviews. Your B camera might be, like, Aaron might be running around with another camera capturing the environment, getting wide shots where we're establishing where we are, mm -hmm. um, getting detailed shots of interaction between students. So when we talk B-roll, we're talking about all of those visual elements that help supplement the story. Um, so it just kind of comes from that A and B camera, I believe. And that's where, yeah. Keep going. I just want it when you're done. <laughs> that's kind of where it comes into mind. And it comes in handy a lot of times if you can do B-roll, um, because a lot of times it'll help you mask your edits. It'll help mask your cuts. Yeah, so like it's, when you're taking basically you're saying you had two hours to do this. Yeah. I walk into something and I have uh, eight minutes to shoot something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've got to get it back because then you have to do the kind of quick edit on it. But the thing is, is the general rule is you say it, basically you take an interview with the person. Then you say you spray it. You basically get everything else at your B-roll. That's you good. Like four minutes to shoot on your B-roll for some assignment. Then you go back. It's got to be on the 10 o'clock news. You literally, the reporter says, well, make this thing like this long. 
you throw it together, and then you edit it, export it, and then you throw it into the server, then you run in the other room for watching on TV to see if you screwed it up. That's how much time you have. I mean, it's like when you're done editing, you know, I don't have more than three more seconds to do this. You've got to send it because otherwise it's going to be black on air. Yeah, it's re that's really good. It helps you. It helps you in edit when you uh, when you do have forty five minutes and you're you're doing an interview. I mean, it helps you hide some of those cuts. You know where it might be. You're trying to trim it down because your pastor said make sure it's only two minutes long. Yeah, so like that does help. There are ways around that where you don't necessarily need that. I've actually got another video I could show. I, we're just running out of time. But Jill, you wanted to jump on that? Oh yeah, I just wanted to add real quick. It, um, like you were kind of saying, it saves you. Um, not just when you're trying to mask certain things and edit. You know, because it's you can just cut and go to the next thing the person says, but it's abrupt. People don't like seeing it. It's not pretty. Um, but sometimes it helps explain something without explaining it to the viewer where you're interviewing someone and there's birds and they're just going to keep chirping and you can't get them out of the like you can't take the audio out of it there are birds there you just film the birds and you put it yeah. into the thing and then people know oh there's birds there yeah. so when they hear birds throughout the interview they're not like what are they where are these birds coming from they've already seen it and so we use b-roll for that as well that's really good yeah so a lot of times you're you're dependent like probably in the news too you're dependent on where you're at you can't go and find a great spot necessarily you're like stuck with the one place you're at and it's right along the highway mm. like well we're going to show the highway we're going to show those cars coming yeah. so there's context for that audio that they're hearing that what might be distracting otherwise any other questions we've got one more question <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You have to go and, you know, like what I do before, this is what I did. Yeah. I put it in a, what's called, what do you call like page, not pages, but slides. Yeah, like PowerPoint or keynotes, yes. Yeah. Yep. It is a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> it is a lot of work. It is so true. But it, honestly, like it, what it is for us was connecting with other people mm -hmm. yeah. and getting feedback, learning. You got to be open and receptive to criticism and like critique, and you just got to get better. Our wait. Our motto kind of is don't be precious about it. So we will correct, we'll critique each other's stuff a lot, or someone will have feedback, and it doesn't offend us, it helps us grow. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to see it, is like, it's always an opportunity to learn more, because we never think we're at the top of our game. It's kind of encouraging when people are like, I liked it, but there's this thing. And then we know next time, like, yeah, we should keep an eye out for that thing. Were you gonna, oh, sorry. I was thinking, I do this when somebody dies, and here am I, I'm taking all the pictures and trying to present it and I'm using Keynote because I have a Mac and then I'm putting it into the film and here I'm bawling because I remember yeah. this stuff. Mm. I mean, the whole thing, the thought is that, you know, that your love kind of exceeds your ability. Yeah. You know, it's, You're, it's all love. You're nailing it. I mean, you're using what you have. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're using images through Keynote. And it's so perfect because it's making an emotional connection with people. So that, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Last question.
to it is really good. Um, my husband's daughter is at Islamic Heritage Church, and he says all the time, like, people just go, well, you just, just put a video together. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it takes you, what, like, three minutes to do that? And he's like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I'll just I'll piggyback on that. And the last thing that I'll say, one of the things that saved my behind over the years in church and in the district is you learn that there's no you don't answer um, no to your pastor. You answer either yes or yes but. So if they they come to you on a Tuesday and they're like, I need that video for Sunday. Can you do that? Yes, but I need. To, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this, and then I can make that happen. So again, managing those expectations. Otherwise, you will get fried out mm-hmm. very, very, very quickly. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I know we got the uh, the last session to get to, so I appreciate you guys, and uh, hope you enjoyed it.